Aloha, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and keeping up with Kara and Koa. So welcome back. Today is October 10th, 2020, and tonight I have a special guest with me. Her name is Hannah Moss. Hi, Hannah. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. So, <laughs> so um, today's episode, like I said, I have my friend Hannah. So her and I, we met at Humboldt, uh, up Humboldt State. Uh, she got her major in journalism as well as got a minor in dance. And she's also, uh, she also just came back from Bali after living in Bali for a year. And, um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so she's here to tell her story. Um, just kind of a little background of, uh, how me, how Hannah and I met other than just HSU. Um, we were actually on a road trip home from Humboldt back to the Bay Area during, what was it? It was during, like, Christmas time? Probably Christmas break. We weren't <laughs> even supposed to get a ride. Like, we had kind of hardly known each other at the time, too. Like, my ride ended up bailing, and Kara being Kara was like, oh, like, I can drive you five hours, kind of stranger of mine. And, yeah. <laughs> and we, we bonded over the fact, I actually ended up learning that she's from the hometown that my parents uh, grew up from, which is Pacifica. Um, and so that's how we bonded, uh, during our five hour drive. And then we also learned that we both struggled from mental health and she actually, um, kind of gave me a little bit of a short summary of her, um, of what stems off from her mental health, which is her not being able to, um, have kids. So that's what her story is going to be about. I actually just learned that October is also pregnancy and infant awareness month last yeah. month which isn't exactly what i deal with but it's, it's fairly kind of similar it, yeah it kind of laws. yes so they kind of fall under the same like <laughs> sector so um which is why we're bringing this this story um uh here um because it's 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 a it's a topic that i don't i actually never really uh know about and i don't think a and lot of people it's quite taboo yeah it's it's something that i think society doesn't is unaware of. So, um, so like I said, I'm learning too. So, um, so Hannah's here to talk about her story. So tell us, tell us a little bit more about, um, like I said, your depression and kind of define more of infertility and like what it is. So I guess I'll start by just going broadly about like what exactly infertility is for anybody that doesn't know. Um, actually talking to you care about it. I was like, okay, I should actually look up the real definition and kind of figure out more about that. So, like, by definition, infertility is the, like, meaning you're, like, unable to either get someone pregnant or be pregnant. Um, And usually it's defined after trying for a year if you're still unable to have, like, to, uh, what is the word? Conceive? Mm -hmm. Then um, it's considered infertility. Um, However, like, for a lot of people, it might just be a hormonal imbalance or, something wrong in their diet or something like that. So for some people, infertility can be reversed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a window of people who have pre-con- pre-con- pre-existing, pre-existing conditions. <laughs> Look at me putting words together. <laughs> yes, I have a degree in journalism. I know how to use words. It's great. Um, pre-existing health conditions that also cause them to be unable to um, carry full term or um, you like know, me. just that whole thing. Exactly. <laughs> um, which isn't that rare. It's just not something that we talk about very much. It's kind of like a weird thing to talk about pregnancy if you're not already pregnant. But for me, I have um, a form of infertility called UFI, which is uterine factor infertility. 
um, which affects 5% of women worldwide. Um, and I personally, I have a condition called MRKH, um, which means that I was born without my uterus. It's like a congenital disorder, meaning that it's present at birth. So when I was in my mom's womb, I just didn't fully develop all of my organs. Um, oh, wow. Other, yeah, kind of crazy. It's something that I can't like affect or like, you know, I don't have any power over. Um, and for anybody that like maybe a little bit confused about like anatomical terms, I've got to, don't worry. I've like been in this ish for a minute. Um, basically your uterus is the space in your like body where a baby grows. So I was born without that. I have my ovaries, which means that I have eggs, but I can never myself carry a child because there's no place to carry it. Like there's crazy science. There's like this thing going on right now. They have like uterus transplants, but it's like a really crazy process and you have to take a lot of drugs to like make sure your body doesn't, um, reject the organ um you're allowed to have it for two years it's like $150,000 just to be part of this um trial basically because they don't know how the drugs will affect the like child that you carry or like you could die because like your body could basically like you know reject and become toxic because you have someone else or anyway so basically it's just like not possible yeah um for me I was diagnosed when I was 16 so it's been actually um I think it's next week or the week after will be a full 10 years since my diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've had a lot of time to kind of deal with it. Um, I found out really young. I mean, not young because basically I never got my period and it was like, Oh, you're a late bloomer. Like, Mm -hmm. it's fine. You're just really active. Like I wasn't that active. Honestly, that's fine. We're good. Uh, But like, Oh, you know, like your grandma didn't get hers until like later. But so I went to a doctor and the doctor was like, Hmm like this is kind of weird so like let's do some tests I remember I had to get a bunch of blood work done like they pulled a bunch of blood I got an MRI which for anyone who's never had an MRI before if it's anything like that's not I had an MRI when I broke my foot and that is a completely different experience than Mm -hmm. when you're getting an MRI for like your torso yes like you literally are inside of this machine (laughs) if you have like claustrophobic like if you're claustrophobic that's just scary it's scary Mm -hmm. you have to sit still you can't move Move, yeah for like what like five minutes or something like that it feels like it's like 20 minutes it's a long time it sucks it's like really awful actually um I hate small spaces so that was great um I also got an ultrasound like as a virgin like in there with like all the other pregnant women and like just me this little like 16 year old like I what the fuck's going on (laughs) um it's fine but yeah so I found out really like at an age that it had a really negative impact on my mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when you're that young, it's kind of hard to put things into perspective. Like you're still kind of becoming empathetic towards others. Right. Um, You're learning like the world is bigger than like what you perceive it to be. So, you know, trying to be mindful of my friends going through breakups or like friend drama or like failing tests or things like that. Like I basically found out like I was not going to go through like the human experience that's like promised to us mm-hmm. basically our whole lives. Like, right. you know, in like the timeline of the American dream, it's kind of like you go to school and then you go to college and then like you get married and then you have kids like kids is like always in there. And like, I don't think that there's enough awareness talking about like alternatives to that or even just understanding that that might not actually be something that's possible right um 
So that was really hard. Um, I went from being, like, I was in all of the enriched classes. I went from being an A student to getting my first F and basically failing all my classes Mm -hmm. in, like, a semester. Like, we're talking, like, I had A's and B's, and then within, like, a two-month span, I was, like, dropping out of my classes. Um, I started self-harming, so I was, like, cutting a lot. Um, I started doing drugs. <laughs> I was like taking like painkillers like recreationally, like before school sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was drinking a lot. I was like hanging out with kind of people that I felt like maybe didn't understand me because from the outside it didn't seem like there was anything wrong with me. But like I was suffering like severely internally, you know, mm-hmm. like it's something that you can't like it's something that people don't know how to talk to you about and not really necessarily something you want to tell other people. Right. Um, it's kind of easier to talk about now because like the people around me are kind of like, for the most part, (laughs) like mature adults and you can kind of talk about these things. But as a high schooler, like you don't want to talk about like your like reproductive organs. You know, I was so scared of, you know, like being called a boy or like being called like, I don't know, just, like, a freak or, like, anything, you know? Like, I remember there's a very small part of my psychology class that talked about, like, the other gender, like, in quotations mm-hmm. of, like, the, like, I don't remember what it was, like, gen- gender Z or something. And it was, like, a huge joke in my class. But, like, that was how they categorized, like, anybody who, like, doesn't fully have, like, one set of reproductive organs or another. And that's, like, oh, completely ignoring the fact that there's so many people that genuinely have, like other like reproductive organs like they might have like both you know Mm -hmm. like there is that and it's not that rare I don't fall under that category but like it was scary to feel like for some reason that was like the worst thing that people could think of me right um yeah it was like such a bummer and I was really really depressed I was like very suicidal um and I probably should have gone to therapy (laughs) but I didn't go to therapy because I live in a very like I grew up in a really hands-off family um we like talk about our feelings but like not if you don't have to like a very like hippy dippy like oh just like ground yourself and like put up your like aura and just align your chakras and like it seems like your like throat chakras kind of flows like maybe you should do some energy work there but like never really addressing like how this is like fundamentally kind of destroying my life mm-hmm. um you know it was just, I don't know it was really hard but I've had a lot of time since then and I'm really glad that I didn't give up like in the times that like I kind of thought I was going to mm-hmm. like I have a couple episodes that I remember were like really bad but I'm glad that I made it through mm-hmm. um I do wish that I had gone to therapy because I've only been to therapy once <laughs> um in college but hey at least you tried it that's the th- I tried that's, it that's it the th- was like a, it was traumatic <laughs> exactly I mean I know someone who's tried it too and I mean that's that's the thing is I think what people I think need to realize with the whole especially just the whole word therapy is if you don't like it that's fine and dandy like there's nothing wrong with that or if you feel like it's not going to be beneficial but I think the most important part that I feel like people should acknowledge to themselves is oh I did try therapy I at least I went and I tried it and yeah totally and I feel like something yeah I mean I feel like people shouldn't shouldn't beat themselves up especially if they are actually really dealing with like mental health and trauma and you know you're trying to think like what's wrong with me and then you're like you said like you want to go to therapy but then you're kind of embarrassed but I feel like you should feel proud of yourself for at least trying to go at least one session so oh totally and I realized too listening to one of your podcasts that like 
I mean, I guess it's kind of obvious, but it doesn't seem that obvious until you have someone else spell it out. It's like you can tell someone something a thousand times and then like the thousandth and one time like it clicks, you know? Right. But like it totally is like an unbiased place that you can talk about things and it's not going to be like spread around the school or like spread around your community or like Mm -hmm. spread around your family like it is actually like a safe place for you to go and talk about something right um but so for me I kind of like had to find because it just wasn't something I don't know it just wasn't presented as like an option really like it wasn't something that I sought out it wasn't something that like my teachers who saw that I was failing like sought out for me so no blame on them dude like public education is hard and like teachers aren't paid enough to be like you know like crisis true like counselors right. too like there's only so much they can they do, can do teaching, right. so whatever we all know the <laughs> system's like super great um you know public education woo yay um but yeah so for me I had kind of found other outlets to deal with it I started dancing um and that really gave me control over my body in a way that I felt really out of control of my body for a really long time Mm -hmm. like going into all of the like doctor's appointments I felt just like poked and prodded and just like I don't know I felt really inhuman and I just felt like there was so much taken away from me that finding movement really like helped that for me you know it was like something that I could control myself um I also started writing a lot of poetry even right. if I didn't like show it to anybody that was kind of the beginning of my journey to now like journalism I don't know how now like yeah journalism too for sure like I think you can relate to this that when you go through something really tragic and you have um you know like a really dark point in your life you become like kind of hyper empathetic to yes. those around you yes. because you start realizing like Very no true. one realizes there's something wrong with me <laughs> yeah. like how is it that like I feel this like crappy about my life and like I'm literally like taking showers in the morning like crying on mm-hmm. the floor you know and like I show up and like no one even knows no, it was right. but it makes you like realize like wow all of these people around me like could be going through something and no one's talking about it right so like that's what pushed me to study journalism is because I liked the idea of giving voices to other people's stories. Mm-hmm. I just, like, I don't know. I'm just kind of shy, so it was kind of hard. <laughs> I know. Um, I remember you writing for the newspaper, and I remember yeah. I'd be like, oh, my God, Hannah wrote this. Like, I got to go grab a copy. I th- I'm pretty sure I still have copies of them somewhere in the store. <laughs> I had, like, a whole section of just, like, DIY art art projects, like, But you're right. Like (laughs) writing is an it's an art. Like that's how that is how that's how the greatest authors and philosophers like that's how they express themselves is through writing. So I mean, I I definitely admire. I've always admired your writing. You know that. So thanks, dude. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's crazy to see from there. Like now I'm like writing music and I have like a band and like that's become a new form of like creative outlet for me. Um, you know, I think the arts are like really, really important. And I don't think that like they're highlighted enough for Mm -hmm. their importance. Um, the reason I have a dance minor is because I was studying to have a degree in dance education as well, but I couldn't finish both. Um, but I really believe in like movement as therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, post COVID, post pandemic, post like, what are you doing with your life? Like, aside from, like, sitting and thinking in your dark thoughts. Because, like, what else do you do for, like, six months when you're unemployed? (laughs) Not me. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's fine. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, that's something that I still, like, think is important and might continue to pursue. Um, Because there's so many forms of therapy outside of just, like, 
maybe like conversational therapy isn't right for you but I think it's really important to find something that like fulfills that for you right and just like be kind to yourself that like there's going to be days that like you don't want to do like one of the tools that you figured out like how to take care of yourself like some days it's just like dude that tool's really heavy and I don't want to pick it up mm-hmm. like you know <sighs> I don't know Kara I don't know <laughs> <laughs> um has has like social media played any kind of role in how you feel about your condition oh yeah yeah yeah. we were actually I like just like Kara you have to watch this documentary so anyone who hasn't seen it yet I really highly recommend watching a social dilemma it made me like really grateful that I did not have Instagram during the beginning of all of this um you know sometimes it is really hard we were talking earlier and you asked me like what's it like when you see people post like pregnancy things like you know, there's always going to be triggers for me mm-hmm. the same way that like going to a grocery store and like seeing someone push like a toddler down the aisle. Like there's still something in that that like causes like, I don't know. It's not even subconscious because I'm aware of it. It's not jealousy either, but like it does make me sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so like social media obviously is like inviting the public into like your bedroom, you know? Right. So sometimes it is kind of hard to like not fall down those traps. One of the things I am really grateful for, though, about social media, and, like, I realize this listening to your podcast, too, is that there's so many resources for people going through, you know, something that you think you're the only person going through it. Right. Like, at this point, there's so many podcasts. Like, I can look up an MRKH podcast and, like, yo, there's people talking about it. Mm-hmm. There's, like, groups on social media, you know? Mm-hmm. There's, like, more places to find community there if you use it as a tool, but like it is really toxic. And if I had that in high school when yeah. I was going through body dysmorphia, like I couldn't imagine like making it to where I am now comparing myself to like all of these people on the internet right. at a time that I felt like completely insignificant. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I had thought about the same thing cause after I'd watched it too, I was kind of like, holy shit. I mean, because I went through a mental health crisis, too, like I had talked about in my last episode, and just thinking about it, I, I was, you know, tripping, too, like, holy shit, like, imagine if 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 Instagram was around during my mental health crisis. Right, and, everybody's out here making, like, TikToks, right. and just, like, sitting in the corner, like, this is so unimportant. Right, but, exactly. But, like, I'm also missing out on this experience of, like, I can't enjoy this the way that everyone else is. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know, but, right. you know? Yeah. I definitely agree. So, yeah, that's why I was, I was just wondering. Because sometimes, like, I'll sit on social media and I'll see, like, you know, a post that kind of triggers me of something specific. And kind of, like, sometimes I think, is that necessary to be on social media or not? So. Well, I, I know you've taken breaks from it. I, I do. I've, I've had to take, I mean, beginning of this pandemic, I had to take a break. The, I mean... The amount of, of, uh, what's the right word? Uh, <laughs> it's hard not to, like, judge your friends. Well, yes, like, that, and that, and then, of course, like, just because, it, I mean, coronavirus was just everywhere on the news, on, yeah, on, and on Facebook, ended. on Instagram. I mean, everywhere, it was really, like, starting to get to me, and I just was like, you know what, I'm going to deactivate all my social media um, accounts because I really had to get a hold of myself. There were times where I almost forgot to feed Koa because I was freaking out. And then you have people who aren't taking it seriously. And 
I mean, obviously, I mean, I'll be honest. And I mean, I've talked to a lot of people. We all thought it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, we're all admitting it. But when you finally learn and do research about it, then you're like, okay, maybe I need to take a step back and actually reassess my thoughts and my actions. Um, And then from there, that's when it was, you know, really starting to affect me. And then on top of that, you know, being by myself. um, Yeah. Like your thoughts are just going on 24 7 did you ever feel like disconnected when you were like off of it like did you feel like you lost like or like was it still I mean that's a great question um I yes and no because I mean I'll be real I still had Koa's Instagram going on and that actually helped me because, you know, everyone knows, everyone who knows me knows, like, <laughs> dogs, like, have a, yeah, have a, have a huge positive them. effect on my brain. So, like, I don't had, so, like, don't mind me over here. But, like, it, you know, it kept me, like, it kept my happiness going. Um, uh, um, but actually, I mean, more people actually contacted me more because they were like, hey, I noticed you're not on social media. So, I mean, it actually, you know, required them to talk to yeah, me because, I mean, that's the problem. I think that's the thing is that we forget about with society and social media. And then I think that does fall under depression is we rely on social media so much on what people are doing with their lives versus actually taking the time to call them, FaceTime them, hang out with them. We rely so much on social media. So, I mean, it allowed me it allowed me to have better interaction yeah, with other people. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I um, feel like social media, in a way, like, because of the way it's set up, aside from all of the crazy stuff, I'm still, I'm just saying it again, like, everyone should watch the documentary. It's important. But, like, aside from, like, all of the crazy things that it does to your mental health, it also makes you, like, want, like, quantity over quality in your connections like you're on there trying to like get recognition as opposed to like really having strong connections and I remember I don't you probably know what I'm talking about there's like the thing where like you can only actually maintain like 20 good connections or Mm -hmm. 10 good connections and like actually have like you actually do not have enough time in your life to have more than like 10 real connections I should look up what the actual number is but there is like it's a small number of like being able to balance that many people in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that, like, otherwise you just have all these surface connections with people and you're, like, hardly talking. Like, you just send a reaction emoji. Right. That's not having a conversation. That's not, right. like, checking in with a friend, right. you know? like And especially checking in on topics like, you know, infertility. Because, like, you had mentioned, uh, what is it? This month, I'm learning that this month is, you said, was uh, pregnancy and... Oh, pregnancy and... and uh, uh, Infant, infant loss awareness mm-hmm. month which is like something that's crazy and you know piggybacking on what you were saying about like the pandemic it like it's really interesting to like i mean you and i both have like reasons that we've had to go to the doctor a lot you mm-hmm. know like so on top of like having like a need now there's like a weird like i don't know it just makes you reassess healthcare mm-hmm. and like how accessible it is and like like, I don't know, it was, that was just really hard of just realizing, like, if I want to go and talk to a doctor about my condition, like, it's going to be a lot harder, like, we're kind of talking about this now, too, like, talking on, like, a Skype call versus in person in an office, like, is a different interaction, and that's just kind of how it's going to be now, you know? Versus through social media and having a better conversation about these types of 
topics that go unseen. Um, Yeah. And my other question that I kind of thought of was, did, did you finding out about this condition almost feel like a loss in a sense? Oh yeah. Honestly, I feel like every day, like you go through like, I mean, maybe not every day, but I've gone through the like steps of grieving so many times in the Mm -hmm. past 10 years because it's been a different form of grieving every time. Right. Like it felt really weird to be so depressed and like cry so much over like, like it felt like I was like losing a kid, but it wasn't my kid. It was just like any idea of a kid that I had, you know, like, right. It was letting go. I feel like I completely like had a death of ego. I feel like I completely, I don't really remember who I was before finding out about it Mm -hmm. because you know, I get called like an overthinker or like, like negative or like dramatic emotional or dramatic a lot in my life. And it's not that it's just really hard to not think of things at like 10,000 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, cause it's thinking of things through my normal scope, but then thinking of things through like my normal scope, you know, like through how society see things, but then also how, like, how is this going to be different for me? But I do like, I mourn it a lot. And like every year during like the anniversary of my diagnosis is I kind of like allow myself to grieve a little bit harder and mm-hmm. like, you know, a lot of the time the emotion is still there, but I kind of block myself from talking about it, right. but I kind of indulge in being more vocal about it during October, not necessarily because I have a, like, I don't know, because that's like my month, like as important as like your birthday month is like, this is kind of like a rebirth for me. Right. Of like realizing this is my life. And it's, it's really hard. Like it's hard letting go of a reality that is part of the human experience. Like, it's just not there for me. And it comes up in different ways of like, you know, like dating somebody new, like, when do I have this conversation? When do I tell them like, Mm -hmm. Hey, if you want to be with me, like, this is you're the reality. Also, yeah, you're going to miss out on this human experience too. Like, why would I rob like a good person of that if I think that like they're an amazing person? Like, why would I put that on someone? Mm-hmm. But like, you know, like love is in a bunch of different shapes and that's like I've had to like kind of let go of that. Mm-hmm. But it is really hard even like, I don't know. It's yeah, I grieve a lot, honestly, and I don't talk about it very much because I think it makes other people uncomfortable right. and I don't want to make other people uncomfortable. I don't want to burden people with like, Oh, like mm-hmm. I already know that there's topics that people feel they have to tiptoe around mm-hmm. me. And I like, don't want people to feel that way. Right. Because I don't want them to think I'm not strong enough to talk about things, but right. like, I don't know. I think, you know what I mean? Like, no, I, I, I appreciate yeah. the sensitivity, but yes. it's also like, yo, like, but Come I mean, <laughs> like you said, there are a lot of forms of grief that I don't think people really realize. And I'll have a, I mean, I'm going to have a separate, uh, episode about grief later, but you're right. It is a form of loss for you. You, you, you won't have a, you won't, you will never have a child. That's a loss. Um, I never get to have cute maternity you, clothes. So, like, what the heck? Um, I, I mean, like obviously there's, baby. there's a adop- I mean, obviously there's adoption, but I mean, yeah, there's the yeah. whole, it's a whole nother, uh, I mean, even that is like a really stress. I get anxiety thinking about like options, like, right. oh, like you can adopt, like, okay. So then someone's going to look into my credit score, my income, my family backgrounds, right. my health backgrounds. Right. I'm also going to have to pay There's a lot. upwards, like, more than $50,000 just to, like, apply. Like, right. it's a really expensive thing. And then I start stressing in this pandemic that I'm not making any money because, like... Well, and then it just adds yeah. more <laughs> onto, like, your depression of you already dealing with it 
already. So, yeah, and you're grieving yeah. already. So, I mean, like I said, I'm going to talk a little bit more about grief later, but I mean, cause there's definitely a, a cycle that people, I don't think understand what it is and it'll never go away. So no, it's, <laughs> it's a part of you. Like... Well, I don't actually, I don't want to say it's a part of you, but it's, it's part of your experience. Yes, it's a part of the experience of your story and yeah. how to, like, like be more at peace with it. Which leads me to my question of, because of this condition, have you always felt like you had to, like, I guess maybe reinvent yourself? Because you're, I mean, you, you elaborated on, like, ways that you deal with it, but, like, like, let, I get back to my question, like, have you felt like you need to re- reinvent yourself? I mean, you've mentioned dance, and I know you've done other, other, uh, you have other hobbies that you really, that yeah. has really brought, uh, to, for me, as how I see you as, like, as one of my friends, I feel like it's brought, it's kind of shaped how you are as a person, so if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, honestly, like, kind of, yes, and it's interesting because I feel like I've changed so much over the years but like also been the same but I recognize like in my acceptance of it like my different patterns of like dealing with it like there was a time where like I dressed really weird I was like you know what like I'm just gonna dress really weird so people like don't talk to me like you know there's like different ways of like or like I went through like a super rebellious like you know what like I don't need like anybody in my life I'm just gonna be really (laughs) solo or like I need a lot of people around me I need a lot of validation Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I want to do things working with kids. The last like nonprofit I worked at was like specifically working like for like youth who like needed a place to go. Like that was really like important to me, but also like, sometimes I don't want my, like my story to control my life. Right. Like, sometimes I really right. just want to make art that has nothing to do with like right. my condition. Right. But then other times I feel like I really, I'm like, yo, like, okay, I have strong writing skills they have strong communication skills like I should be a voice for like my people quote unquote but at the same time like what if I don't want to do that you know I feel like it's really kind of like difficult to figure out when you've gone through something and you have come to a place of peace where you can make a difference for your community but like sometimes you don't want to be that person at the same time Mm -hmm. so I don't know if that answers your question I mean it pushed me to like move to Bali because I was like you know what if I don't have to like worry about like having kids like (laughs) I was like single and like you know like screw it I'm just gonna like move to another country yeah so tell tell us more what did you do in Bali I'm Bali was crazy (laughs) I'm jealous I'm really bummed I didn't get to visit you since that's that's been my number one place to go I know actually Kara was gonna come visit me and (laughs) I had I like flew home to do my visa renewal and be here for Christmas so I was here for like two weeks and then I flew back both times I flew through Wuhan, which was great. Um, <laughs> no biggie there. But I remember you were messaging me, and I was like, hey, just so you know, like, you, the way that I get to Bali is I fly through China because it's, like, the fastest way and the cheapest way. But, like, you're not going to be able to fly through China. So, like, if you want to come visit, like, I don't know. Like, this pandemic is, like, kind of starting. Like, so, yeah, that was interesting I literally moved home we're gonna have to put that we're gonna have to put that adventure on hold right we'll just do this again that was hard I literally stayed by myself no human contact for two weeks like my first two weeks back in America and it was like oh my god this is the beginning of what everybody has been dealing with here Mm -hmm. but um yeah Bali was great I have a band there that I'm gonna go back and work with whenever I can I don't know what's going on but we've been working on music 
um, even in this pandemic, thankful for technology for that, that we can still like collaborate. Um, it wasn't really like, you know, coconuts and like sun tanning <laughs> every day for sure. I lived a pretty, um, like non-influencer lifestyle, <laughs> you can say. <laughs> Ate a lot of rice, um, bisa basa, like I can speak a little bit of bahasa now, which is the language of Indonesia. Um, spent some time in Jakarta, which is the capital of Indonesia. Bali is part of Indonesia, which some people don't know. It's fine. <laughs> um, Indonesia is like the fourth largest country in the world because there's so many islands. Right. Um, Jakarta is like, I think it's the most polluted city in the world. And that was like very eye-opening. Feeling like at times when I felt like really, I don't know, there's just, we're really lucky to live in America. Yes. Like Jakarta was like overwhelming for what it was. Like the people are so beautiful and so kind. And it's like really humbling to realize like what it's like to live there versus here. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think I just overall want to help people. I don't know if it's necessarily like I need to stand up for infertility and like be that voice, but like just overall human rights, I feel like are so important. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I guess overall that's what I decided. And I don't know. It was really nice to have an opportunity to meet like the most talented musicians that I've ever known like so many talented musicians, like so many people that like actually can do insane things with an instrument or their voice. Right. Um, yeah. It sounds like music has always been kind and humble. Right. Yeah. Music has seemed to always be your huge outlet. I mean, I loved writing. I loved writing because I loved rap. And so like, I would do like poetry slams when I was depressed in high school, I'd like write out all my feelings and like do them at the poetry slams. It was like my thing. Like that was my (laughs) club, you know? That was, like, my only time that I wanted to speak publicly. Um, But, yeah, I mean, even dance is, like, visual understanding of, like, sound, you know, Mm -hmm. depending on the dance. But dance is also, like, interpreting and expressing music. Um, And now I've just kind of, like, been more comfortable with my voice after a really long time of really just not wanting to be seen or heard because I just didn't want to have to explain anything. I, like, I don't know. I felt really, like uncomfortable in my own skin for a long time and it feels really good to like not be scared to like sing in public Mm -hmm. like hey if I can like overcome you know like suicidal like tendencies and like really dark depression like then I can like sing in front of a couple people like you know what it's I just (laughs) (laughs) just started pushing myself to like do all the scary things right because like if I'm gonna live this life once like then I'm just gonna like live it really full even if it sucks at times like I don't think it can like suck as bad as like it has you know, right. like, oh, that was a really scary thing. I, like, need to take a shot. Like, you know, I'll take that over, like, guzzling alcohol right. and, like, taking pills. Right. Because I, like, I value my life more right. than I did before. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I just rambling. I love, no, I, I love it. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I always, I see your music on Instagram. It's, it's cool. It's cool to see Thanks, that you're actually taking you're actually doing more of it. So that's awesome. Um, my last question is what is your message to, uh, those who are, you know, who either have your condition or who have had a miscarriage? Um, what is, what's your, what's your message to them as far as just, just being able to at least know, like, you know, I guess they're not alone or yeah, I mean, how to, you know, overcome this type of challenge. 
like, okay, this is going to be really cheesy and, like, awful, <laughs> but, like, I'm just going to, like, say my favorite quote. It's one that's, like, always stuck with me, that the things that feel most personal are most universal. So, like, when you're going through something and you actually feel like the only human being on the entire planet, and not in, like, a selfish way, I don't mean that in a, like, nobody, like, but, like, you're also not alone. Like, there. I hate saying that because, like, saying that to someone who, like, feels alone is, like, yeah, I know that. Like, you're talking. (laughs) Obviously, I'm not alone. But, like, I don't know. I guess just to start setting, like, small goals of, like, other dreams that you had. Like, you know, there's a lot of nights to have a lot of dreams. And I guess just kind of start chasing and another one of those. And that's not going to replace, like, a dream that's gone. Like, you can still mourn for it, and you can still be sad for it, and, like, allow yourself to be sad, but, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, I mean, it's gonna be okay at times, you know? Like, I hate that. It's gonna be okay, because, like, it's not always gonna be okay. <laughs> right. Like, all of the cheesy things that you can say, like, right. I hate all of them, because right. every time someone said them to me, I'm like, are you serious? Right. No, I, like, it's your, cool. it, yeah, makes total <laughs> so, sense. But, I don't know, just... I guess find an outlet that works for you and find a friend that's good for you. And um, I don't know. And you can find me on online, like, <laughs> as we're talking about social media, like, I'll be there for you. I don't know. Just keep going, even on days that feel really hard. Like, yeah. Just keep going. Cry if you need to cry. Like, take time to be in your bed. Like, let someone sit with you if you just need to cry and you don't can't say anything. Like, I have so many people I'm so grateful for in my life. And, like, if you feel like it's hard to live for you, then, like, live for them. Right. You know? Agreed. I don't know. It's all really cheesy when you, like, say it out loud. But that's <laughs> no, all the like, important things to say. Yeah, it is. It is. You're right. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Hannah. I'm so glad that you, you know, got a chance to really open up about it. Because, I mean, I don't think we've really talked much in detail about it. So, I really appreciate you coming on to this podcast And I hope anyone out there who's listening could benefit uh, from this story. Uh, Like like my friend Hannah said, if you really want to get in contact with her, either you can get through contact with me and I can connect you with her and you guys can, you know, exchange stories um, or or figure out ways to uh, bring more awareness to this type of topic. and like I had mentioned earlier in my my episode, I'll you know be uh, elaborating more on more on the grief process that's coming up soon. Um, so stay up to date on my social media. Also, if you haven't followed my podcast uh, social media account, um, you can do so. You can find it through my Instagram. Um, but we're gonna wrap up. Uh, Co is tapping me on the shoulder right now. He's uh, he he wants me to help him with his uh, with his outfit for tomorrow. Uh, Koa has season has season tickets to uh, <laughs> the Niners. Dude, I've seen him this in the season. bleachers, man. So, uh, so yeah, so he's he's calling me right now. So anyway, stay up to date on my social media, and thanks for keeping up with Kara and Koa.